Let's pray. God, we, we ask that you speak today. That to the one that comes in hurting, whether it's physically or mentally, that you show your reality to them, that you give them joy, you give them peace, and you give them hope. Lord, as your message is proclaimed, allow it to be done truthfully. Allow it to be done in a way that doesn't waver from you, but is also simple, because that's who you are. God, allow it to show your goodness, to show your grace to a soul that so badly needs it. God, and to the skeptic that has come through our door this morning, give them confidence of your word. Lord, allow me to become less so that you can become more. Of course, we pray earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, for all the families and, and that have lost loved ones there. But ultimately, we pray for Jerusalem because you have commanded us to do so. Lord, we know that you can get glory out of ashes as all of us who have given our lives to you have seen you do it because you've done it to us. And Lord, use this season of our world and of our culture to glorify your name and your name alone. Lord, we love you. We say thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you will have nothing and be happy. You'll have nothing and be happy. That is the most recent ploy from big tech, real estate, and the elite that are making headlines as they continue to make it a goal to remove all material and wealth from the middle and lower class so that they can gain complete control. You'll have nothing and be happy. But little do they know, this claim is nothing new to the Christian. The Christian doesn't need material items and finances to find joy. The joy of the Christian was, was found complete in a baby lying in a manger who would just a few years later take upon death on a cross to reconcile our relationship with our Father in heaven, giving all humans the ability to spend eternity in heaven if they are to trust him as their Lord and Savior. This truth is physical proof that you really can have nothing on this side of eternity and not just be happy, but filled with joy because you know that this life is only temporary and our reward is in heaven. You can have nothing and be happy. Now, as you know, we've been going through this Advent season talking about what it is that the birth of Christ brings upon the Christian. The first, few, the first week was hope. Last week was peace. And this week is joy. Anyone been here for all three weeks? Yeah, you're starting your New Year's resolution early, getting to church every week. But how grateful should we be that God would not only come to earth, but bestow these gifts and blessings upon us. What many religions have to work for, and what the world says you have to earn, God freely gives. 
I must say that any gift from God is a blessing. And, and how much more so is it that even in the midst of chaos, hurt, and confusion, God allows us to continue to walk, but not just walk, walk with joy. And it's this joy that is really a great witness to those who don't know who Christ is. Nehemiah chapter 8 says that it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. You see, joy is not just a gift from God, but it's the very strength that we have to be the wind in our sails of life. In the words of the Apostle Paul, as people of God, we must continually rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say it, rejoice. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Our text will be verses 8 through 20. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. Please go ahead and grab it. Follow along with me. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. i got to get in the habit of writing down the page number that's going to be on your guys' Bible. I'll start trying to do that next week, make it easy for us. So Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Let's start by reading verse 8. And nine. <clears throat> and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Point number one a healthy fear of God produces joy. A healthy fear of God produces joy. God sent his angels from heaven to make them aware, referring to the shepherds, of the Savior's birth. This is an important detail to notice. As at the time of this writing, as, as our brother just, just read this morning, the, the shepherds were considered to be outcasts in society. Because of their affiliation with animals and the dirtiness that that brought, abiding by the law of the Old Testament, they were considered ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. And of course, to enter themselves into the tabernacle to worship, they then had to make themselves clean. But God saw fit to send his angels to the outcast. You see where I'm going with this. If this were today, who would these outcasts be? Would he, be, would he send the angels to the, to the bars and to the AA meetings? Would he send the, them to the streets of Las Vegas? Would he send them to the homeless in San Francisco or to the crime-ridden streets of Chicago? Would he send them to Washington, D.C.? You're saying, Ryan, there's no way. There's no way he would send his angels to those people in our society today, but wait. Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said this. It's one of, my favorite, one of my favorite lines that Jesus said throughout his ministry. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. 
You then see the irony throughout all of his ministry. Who did he come to save? The sinners. Throughout his ministry, time and time again, you see him speaking directly to performing miracles on those that were sick. You then read here about the reaction of the, of the shepherds once these angels appeared. It says that they were filled with great fear, and rightfully so. You know, the Greek word here for, for fear is phobos. It literally translates to be afraid or to run from. It's, it's where we get the, the, the English term phobia. Like like. Aerophobia, which is the, the fear of flying, or, or aphidiophobia, which is the fear of snakes. That one's very common in South Florida. <laughs> or like my, this is a phobia that I have. It's called trypanophobia. It, 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 don't laugh. <laughs> it's the overwhelming extreme fear of medical procedures that involve needles. Even talking about it, I want to pass out. I'm, I got to be careful how far I go with this one. But my point is this. These shepherds were in the middle of their field watching over their sheep and and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord surrounded them. And they were filled with phobos or fear. So you might be asking the question and rightfully so, if God is good, and these shepherds supposedly knew it, why would they be fearful of God? After all, the most common command throughout the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is these three words, do not fear. So why were they filled with fear? Well, there's something about fearing that which we cannot control. So when you naturally fear what you can't control and you have in front of you the presence of God who has complete control and sovereignty of every little detail of your life, this draws out fear. It's more of a posture of reverence. You see, even though God has said not to fear, he is really the only thing worth fearing. I know this because we can read in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or Deuteronomy chapter 20 says that we are to fear the Lord, your God, and serve him. So the balance for this is that we are to fear the Lord God and him alone. Any other fear is from the enemy. On one hand, any person that does not know Christ as their Savior, the the fear of God is really the fear of judgment and eternal separation from Christ in hell. But for the believer, a healthy fear of God is, is one that acknowledges his power and his sovereignty and lives in obedience to his word because of this. That's because a healthy fear of God produces joy in the hearts of those that put their faith in him. God doesn't want to invoke in his people a fear that causes them to flee, but rather a fear that causes them to fall on their knees in worship and reverence to who he is. 
a healthy fear of God produces great joy. Verses 10 through 14. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among them with whom he is pleased. Point number two. Joy comes from a clear calling. Joy comes from a clear calling. So, we, so here we have the, the angel setting things straight with the shepherds. He's encouraging them. He's trying to calm things down. He's saying, fear not. In other words, don't be scared. No need to run. You don't have to leave here. Fear not. And the amount of joy that, that must have been in this area is, is incomprehensible. Everything that these shepherds had hoped for, everything that they had lived their lives in obedience to, following the law and, and all the burdens that came with it, obeying the teachings of the Pharisees and the scribes, even though their conscience and soul was telling them otherwise, all of this was about to change, and the Lord had allowed these outcasts to be the witness of it. My friend, how applicable is this to you and I? And what does this angel tell them to look for? He says, look for a baby lying in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Look for a baby. This is radical. Not a king dressed in armor, not a knight with a sword in one hand and a, a shield in another, not a powerful president with the ability to sign into law, all this ridiculousness that he thinks, not, not even a baby in, in fine clothes, in a luxurious room, at a luxurious hotel, none of these things. But a baby dressed in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger because there was no room for him at the end. So the angel makes this announcement to the shepherds that they're to go see this baby. And then all of a sudden, the, the heavens, they, they open up. And, and, you, and you hear the hosts begin to sing, Glory to God, God I have my water. <clears throat> Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with whom he is pleased. Thank you. What a scene this must have been for these shepherds. That they are to go and see this baby, and then all of a sudden the, the heavens open up. They were out simply taking care of their sheep. More than likely in a huge open field where, where sheep could graze and eat, minding their own business like farmers like to do. And an angel appears. The heavens open up. 
And they were given the news that essentially was about to turn the entire world on its head. And we must make this clear. That this was good news then. And it is still good news today. I feel like that if this was today, people would be like, nah, you're lying. There's, there's no way that's the truth. Some would say, well, that was the Antichrist. And, and he's, you know, the Antichrist is here when we got all. This was good news. It was not a crate. It was not a hate crime. It's not labeled as Christian nationalism. It wasn't a conspiracy. It was a fact. And it was a truth. You know, we have become so accustomed to being skeptical of the work of God and and so used to allowing the culture to dictate what is God and what is not that we ourselves are allowing the joy to be taken away from it. These shepherds just got the greatest news that has ever come to earth. And they're able to be the first ones to witness it. Did they stand around and contemplate whether or not they should obey? Did they stand around and argue with one another about their theological stances and say, well, if this was, uh, you know, if this was based upon Proverbs, he should have come down like... They did, what they did next allowed them to have the greatest joy that lasted not only the rest of their life, but into eternity. Joy comes from a clear calling. Joy comes from a clear calling. Verses 15 through 20. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Point number three. Obedience to God's call produces great joy. Obedience to this call from God produces great joy. You know, there's something about the, the Lord's call on our life that forces us to act. It's like when Abraham was told by God to take his son to the mountain to sacrifice him, to kill him. Do you remember this? He, he woke up early in the morning and, and, and he was to obey the Lord. And his calling, he woke up early in the morning to get a head start. Once the angel left the presence of the shepherds, they said to one another, let's go, let's go. Let's go over to Bethlehem and and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They were eager to see it. 
Scripture says that they went with haste, or they went with great urgency. But what we must remember, and we must take note of, and if you are taking notes, please write this down, that acting quickly to obey God is not done without wisdom, discernment, and much prayer. Too many times I've, I've seen someone act quickly to obey God only to realize that it wasn't God they were obeying, but their own hearts or their own desires. But a lot of times acting quickly on a command from God is a result of struggling and wrestling because you really have no other option. Let me explain. You've been waiting and waiting for the clarity that you've been praying for for so long. You've You've even tried every single option that you can imagine. You are completely spent emotionally and even physically. You're, you're backed in a corner and you have nowhere to go. And then God shows up. And when he shows up, you no longer are concerned about where you have been and, and what you've gone through. But all of a sudden you develop a wholehearted desire to see this call from the Lord come to fruition. You see, this urgency is not only a deep desire to obey God quickly, but also oftentimes a desire to leave the situation that you are or we're currently in. I'll never forget Amanda and myself's call down to Florida, to, to South Florida. We, it was January in 2020, January 2020, just before COVID, well, where, where the church we were going to go and join and be a part of uh, they, they flew us down to check out the campus in, in Fort Lauderdale and, and in Boynton Beach. They, they introduced us to the, to the staff, and they, and they showed us around the city. Then after a few more calls and interviews <clears throat> and the paperwork, that we signed an offer letter in front of us, and we were all in on going to South Florida. <clears throat> we had these, these plans to, to sell our home, and, and we even had an offer in a home in Florida that was accepted. We submitted, I submitted my notice to, to our employer that I had at the time, and, and this moving date <clears throat> was now confirmed. We were all in for South Florida. Then, as of course you all remember, COVID took the world by storm, and as quickly as this door was kicked open for us, it slammed right in front of our face. They revoked the offer letter. I still had my notice in my previous job, and oh, by the way, there was a three-month-old baby at home. We were speechless and anxious, to say the least. With Amanda just quitting her job and, and my job that I just gave a three-week notice to being the only source of income, I had to figure something out in order to make an income. And I had to figure it out quickly. I'm scurrying to apply at, at various jobs all over northwest Indiana and, and Chicagoland, applying at Amazon warehouses, USPS, quite literally anything that I could do to bring money into the house to provide for my wife and three-month-old daughter. Nothing opened Absolutely nothing. All these applications and resumes were sent and nothing. Of course, some blamed COVID for the hiring freeze that, that took place. But, but we now look back and realize that this was all a part of God's sovereign plan. Why? Because as quickly and as hard as the door slammed in our face, another door opened just as quick. 
And looking back, we can say with confidence that God was closing a door the size of a, a mouse to open up a door the size of a garage. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. I got a call from the church in Boynton, and they said, hey, long story short, we had to make some major staff changes and because of COVID, and even though that we're currently on a hiring freeze, we're, we're going to go through all these loopholes, and, and we need you to get here, and we need you to get here so quickly because of this job that is open. How soon can you be here? To make a long story short, I, I ended up accepting this position that was higher than what I applied for, not to mention that we had to get there quickly. Looking back, I so much wrestle with my faith that I had. God had called us to something, and we were confident of that. But yet, here I am looking all over the place for something else to provide where God is saying, I am the great provider. You trust me. Why do I tell you this story? Because God so often allows us to witness doors shut in our face so that he can make it crystal clear to us that it is he who opens the door in the first place. And let me tell you that when you trust him, you can rest assured that when he opens the door, you are about to witness him move in a radical way and have joy beyond comprehension as you watch him work together the plan, his plans for your good. So the shepherds act urgently to obey this calling from the Lord. They then act quickly to ensure that they see it. But when the shepherds returned, they were astounded by all that they saw. They knew that life, <clears throat> not just for them, but the entire world was going to be different because of this. The king of kings was in the room. The lord of lords was here. The Prince of Peace, the Alpha and Omega, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, Emmanuel, the Word himself has become flesh and has dwelt among us. God has become flesh. And because of this, the world has never been the same. Band, you guys can come on up. Captives have been set free. The addicts have overcome addiction. The prideful have been humbled. The depressed and anxious can now have peace. The sick have been healed. The lame walk. The poor and the oppressed have been brought justice. And the doubter and the skeptic have found their reason and their faith. I can just imagine the words of these shepherds once they return back to their homeland. It might have sounded something a little bit like this. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, oh, come to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, 
Let us adore it. Christ the Lord. Let's pray. God, how good it is and how true it is that the word has become flesh. It has dwelt among us. And that because of this truth, we can have peace. You truly are the wonderful counselor. The everlasting God. The great provider. Show that to be true today. For a person that's here that needs that, speak to them. Show them in your word your goodness and your grace. Lord, we say that we love you. We thank you for taking up your cross for our sake. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.